Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the Tyree-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan, number one. <laughs> oh man, I was gonna do another JJ. I'm public enemy number one, but uh, I am. Uh, I'll just. I, I'll go. William Johnson. Well, technically, I am the third. So William oh. Johnson three. Those numbers might come into play in how we discuss this show. So, folks, <laughs> we're damn glad to have you. Uh, this is probably the highest profile release we've ever covered in any kind of like immediate day and date live fashion. Because, ladies and gentlemen, this is all for tantrum's sake. We're shared passions and high fives to wash away any place for hate in the end. Inca- in the end, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. But man, oh man, folks. This is Spider-Man No Way Home, and we are here with full spoilers. So, folks, right now, ding, ding, ding. Let me get the fucking bell. This is full spoilers. Just from here on out, they will put it in the show notes in the title, and if you get this far, walk away. But if you're ready for it like we're ready for it, here we go. We are talking about Spider-Man Far. I'm sorry, No Way Home. It's recommended by every red-blooded American in person in the world who wants to watch this movie. Our format will kind of be loosey-goosey, but we're kind of going to go there first. We'll take turns with our five uninterrupted minutes to shower some praise and state some high-minded cases. Um, a hater that I don't think is going to be here, including... No. myself which is hard to get to well they'll do their five to present their counterpoints and, and additional points in any manner of intellectual score shirt they want to do just to impress upon the movie after that we'll open up to some shared discussion because our fresh our thoughts are super fresh we just walked out of the theater and this is where the thing gets real so man oh man one more time folks spoilers 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 we're gonna out of the bag right now you'd have to be from another multiverse to hate this movie huh yeah (laughs) um i gotta say before we get started here because i know she's likely listening or i hope she is we have to give props to rachel s uh for being our stalwart guest throughout our spider-man retrospective that got us to this point we wouldn't be here without you rachel we love you wish you could be here yeah no no, (laughs) i'm sorry rachel i was I was uh, trying to multitask and read some of the Rotten Tomatoes reviews of Spider-Man Away Home while Don was saying how great you are. And it is true. You are very great. Uh, and um, with great friends comes Ooh. great guests on a podcast. Right. And we were going to have you back. So, All right. Will, you are by far the out and about dedicated true believer Marvel shill. You are the lover of lovers. These first five are yours. Yes, sir. Let me get my... I should have been ready. Multitasking <laughs> is not for me. I'm not a good multitasker. Let me get my stuff. I'm noticing ready. this. Okay. All right. I've started. I got to say, uh, 2021 has been a rough year um, for expectations. Mm. I know we've talked about expectations in the past, but I mean, I think it's okay to have somewhat of an expectation. I I think when, like you've talked about in the past, you know, with trailers and how you build your expectations is one thing, but I think in general, like even if I had never seen a trailer for Dune or uh, No Time to Die, like I think something like that, something like a sci-fi classic like Dune or a Bond film or whatever, like that stuff has built an expectation. You're like, oh, it's a Bond film. I have certain expectations, you know, or it's Denny Villeneuve doing Dune. I have certain expectations. Um, so I'm not talking about all the stuff you build up with the fan stuff and the behind the scenes photos and 
what you're expecting. But I got to say 2021 is in terms of all the films that I've had so any kind of expectation for excitement for maybe that's a better word excitement okay i've been i've been kind of let down this year uh you know dune was uh, i gave it three stars it was fine it was visually stunning but not really for me uh in terms of emotional stuff um no time to die and back and forth i think it's another three star you know it's it's got good moments bad moments cheesy moments whatever um and i'm sure there's other films i can think of but with you know for the sake of time Spider-Man is uh, no way home, you know, uh, when you have the Marvel hype attached to it, especially the way I view these kind of things. Uh, I make the exception. I watch all the trailers and I watch the behind the scenes and get all the photos and all that stuff. I like that stuff. It, it, it helps me. Don disagrees with me, but I like I like that. It's part of the fun for me. It's kind of like when your team's in the Super Bowl, which is another thing Don wouldn't understand. Um, <laughs> no, I would not. <laughs> no, you... You, you get a media week, right? You get like the week before where they're oh, showing the highlights yeah. of the season. They're interviewing the players. And you're kind of like reliving the season. You're getting hyped up for the game. Like for me, Marvel has like, you know, months of media week, right? And that's what I enjoy. But aside from that, Spider-Man No Way Home has so many rumors attached to it. So many things that you can't help but have certain expectations. Um, and... I know that you, and you'll probably talk about this in your five minutes and in a broader discussion, but I know that your worry was that this is going to tip too far to one side and and, and it'd be too top-heavy for Marvel to come back from. Um, I actually have a thought about that for one of the end credit sequences, but uh, we'll get we'll get to that later. Um, but uh, I was telling Don that no matter who shows up in this movie, if they do show up, if they don't show up, whatever – I'll still have a fun time. Like even if I knew six months in advance that a certain character would show up or multiple characters in this case, uh, I'm still going to have a great time. And it's true. This movie, despite the fact that I had hunches that paid off uh, or obvious hunches, not much of a hunch when it's pretty obvious. Um, I was delighted. I was, it hasn't been since probably Endgame and uh, a certain scene in Falcon and the Winter Soldier that I've had this visual and physical reaction and pure joy from a cinematic experience because this movie, um, no matter what you want to say about the plot or some of the ridiculousness or whatever, it is a comic book movie after all. So it's going to have some silliness. Um, it has, it has wonderful moments, just wonderful moments that just make you smile. And I, I could not get the smile off my face. I still have it on my face. I saw the movie uh, literally like two hours ago, less, um, I got out of it, and I'm still so happy. Smile ear to ear. I got moments I can remember, and I'm so excited because I'm taking – I mean, we're recording this on Tuesday night. We're releasing this on Friday. I will have – by this time you hear this, I'm taking my daughter and her best friend to see it on Thursday, and I am so excited to watch them watch this movie mm. because I want to see their reactions because I don't get to see my reaction. So I want to live that joy through – my loved one, you know, like, and see her reactions to this, because I know we said there's going to be spoilers, but I've kept it pretty loose. You have, there, there is stuff in this movie that, you know, anybody, anything else, Ghostbusters would be fan service in a negative mm. way. This manages to not only, okay, I'll just get it out of the way straight up. Okay. Garfield, Maguire, Holland together. Instead yeah. of making it a gimmick, instead of making it like the Ghostbusters showing up at the end of Afterlife, it's this feel, movie. it feels organic. Yeah. 
it feels organic. It, and, and it not only gives, and I, I'm coming up on a five minutes. I'm going to go over it for about five seconds. It, it not only justifies Holland's Spider-Man, but it makes up for any errors in the previous Spider-Man <laughs> and completely solidifies this universe as something bigger than we've probably ever seen in cinema history uh, mm. and, and does it well. Look at that. Ooh, wow. Ooh. That's an yeah. impassioned five, man. You had me. No, <laughs> folks, you know, if you've been listening to this show or you followed my work or you catch me on Ian Simmons's uh, Kicking the Seat Roundtables for the Marvel stuff we've been doing and Will's been joining those lately too, please go see Ian's stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been the guy that's been scared to death of where this is going because I've it's it's gotten so big marvel as an mcu and all that and it's supposed to be and i get it but it's gotten so big in such a hurry that i'm i sat here this whole time for the last eight months saying a multiverse is a dumb idea dc does that shit and they they just the retcons are they're boring they're stupid what do you need a retcon when you have this much when you have this much success and i'm like there's no way they're gonna make this work there's it's too much it's 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 not you don't need to do any of this. Just tell a good Spider-Man story. Mm-hmm. And I'm here, and I said it on social media already for those folks who know where I'm at. Uh, I was prepared for this with a morning rant where I'm like, you know what? I'm either ready for my I told you so, where I feel like I was onto something and I'm right, or I was completely ready to fill a bowl of crow. And I've got a spoon, and I've got a bowl. <laughs> And I am eating that crow because God damn, did this movie pull off what I didn't think could be done. And I, I'm borrowing a line from my podcast partner in my future review where I haven't borrowed the line, but I've said it in somewhat of an effect where Will always comes and tells me, you know, in Kevin Foggy, we trust. He has not made a lemon or he's, you know, even if he hasn't gotten a home run, he has not struck out mm-hmm. in, in 10 years or 11 years and 30 films. and. He didn't, and they didn't, and I couldn't be more pleased. I couldn't be more happy to be wrong, and I don't know if you're going to meet an uppity critic out there who will ever admit that they're wrong. They're normally so full of their own egos that their word is the complete authority, and it can be unchanged forever and ever. I am here to be a critic that says, a Rotten Tomatoes certified critic, a Critics' Choice Awards critic, an awards voting dude who says, you know what, expectations and all, and this is the guy who doesn't watch trailers. I was wrong and I'm so okay with that. And I couldn't be more happy to be wrong because what's here is it's, it's big. It's ambitious. It's challenging. It's, it does pull from all these multiverse things yet at the end of the day, even with all these extra components, this is a street level Spider-Man story of him his core, his characters, and how his character is reflected in different places and influenced in different ways and drawn to certain things and to ideals and all of the quotes that you love about this character with great power comes great responsibility and what his villains have done for him. And they've picked a rogues gallery of his most challenging and most personal villains across Maguire, Garfield, and Holland where you have fan service i it is it, on some level it's fan service but we've talked about the term fan service where 
if you don't service the fans, what are you doing? You're doing some revisionist horseshit thing where you're not honoring your material. You're not honoring what makes you great. And you're just throwing stuff in there to throw stuff in there. This movie doesn't like Will and I have kind of tipped the hand here a little bit. These aren't just glorified cameos. These two guys are here to be veteran presences and mere images of what Tom Holland could be. And they're here for half the movie, not 10 seconds, not a quick little wave. They're here to forge this movie and forge this character. And I couldn't be more happy with how that is versus the, they're just going to put stuff in here to throw shit against the wall and see what sticks. They're just going to throw every villain in the pot and see what sticks. And even the villains that are here resonate and have stories and have worth and have value and push and build and forge the overall character. And that is never fan service. That is just damn good storytelling. I didn't keep a time. I don't know if I went five minutes, but the Uh bell is there. So, folks, there's our first five minutes, but please enjoy a short announcement from Ruminations Radio Network, and we'll be right back. We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. Hang out with Ruminations of Red Rum, all things horror from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out, but hurry. The killer's behind you. Oh, man. So, uh, Will. I was wrong. I'm so glad on social media you told me I was wrong. I'm glad I was your first thought coming out of the theater in the body condom of poor Ben Kellimer, who sits next to you covered in spider semen. And, oh, man, but let's dig in. This was this was a blast, wasn't it? I mean, my no, goodness. Smile ear to ear. And Same. here's the thing. This is what struck me about your five minutes, okay? Yeah. I think I've always thought that Marvel has handled scope pretty well. But I know that my everyone who knows me knows, you know, my three favorite characters are almost all street level characters. You know, they don't have superpowers. Uh, I like Ant-Man. I like Hawkeye. I like Falcon. Yeah. You know, um, but I like the grander stories. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. I love that stuff. I have always thought that they found a really good way to balance uh, the emotions and relatability, to, even if it's with. Uh, you know, like a thunder god or whatever, Thanos, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what I like about what you said was, is you said it, it you said that this was a street level uh, thing for Spider-Man. Yeah. And you that's never what, leave New York. Well, what's amazing, amazing about what's amazing about that is you've literally got portals to different dimensions. You've got, yeah. you know, you've got uh, rips and tears in the space time continuum. You've sure. But but you never uh, leave New York. But you never leave the core trio of friends who are trying to figure this out. No, but I think I think the point maybe you're also making subliminally is that uh-huh. street level we can agree in a in a comic book or a comic book movie usually means something that's lower stakes in terms of like it's not the galaxy that's at stake. Yes. I think this movie manages to have the galaxy at stake and still be street yeah. level enough. Yeah, to make it effective, like it's the perfect balance. Because yeah, I agree. The, yeah, because in the end, you are you have Peter Parker. The, the thing, the thing that's always made his character so compelling is that yeah, he's got superpowers and he's got to fight like vultures and rhinos and stuff. <laughs> but in the end, he's always nervous about being with a girl, or he's got homework mm-hmm. to do, or something. So like this yeah. on this almost on this level. You know, it, it it gets down to those basics. Like, what's it like having a girlfriend, and what's it like being famous, or what? You know, it, it's mm-hmm. 
it, and the way they wrap everything up, I, it's, there's so much to talk about, but what are, oh, your, what my are, your, gosh. What are your thoughts? Um, I've, I, I'm amazed. I was saying this to, uh, uh, I'm a, when the, when Garfield and McGuire show up, you expect, I, you know, I, I expect the wrong word. You know me, I, I really temper expectations every chance I can get. If anything, I'm MJ from the movie where if you plan for disappointment, you'll never be disappointed. You know what I mean? I, I guess mm-hmm. I'm that guy all year long when I heard this was going to happen and how the multiverse is unraveled and gone to where it's gone. So what, what I, what amazed me the most was, and I'm sure some other people are going to call this a saggy middle second act, but when McGuire and Garfield show up, it's not to just throw down and get right to business. You spend what? 20 minutes, just one getting Tom Holland off the cliff of where he is and guiding him along with, you know, veteran presences and two, you know, talking, comparing notes, sharing stories, also trying to solve the little, you know, bringing the science of Peter Parker in because you have three Peter Parkers who are all damn good scientists all of a sudden Mm -hmm. solving, you know, trying to come up with little ways with MacGuffins, of course, to solve the problems of what they're trying to, you know, combat and go after. And it's just them shooting the breeze and comparing notes and, humorously and uh, and emotionally and dramatically and that that i some i like i said some people are going to call that a saggy talky talky middle but you know for the two of us and even some of the stuff we've done with ian on kicking the seat that is pure gold character building Mm -hmm. that was worth every penny of time spent with it before you have to go to the statue of liberty and throw down yeah, and this is what blows my mind about this movie mm-hmm. because I'm trying to put it into words. It manages to stay faithful to three very different Spider-Mans. Yeah, um, by utilizing those differences to uh, move the plot. Like, like yeah. you get for one. This is what amazes me: is it makes me appreciate Andrew Garfield a lot more like uh-huh. i loved him in this movie hey. i was very skeptical about his two films no I, i'm telling you that that gwen stacy moment in his second movie is a fucking rattler and yeah. the fact that it still rattles him because that's the cool thing that you're going to see in this movie fans is that they don't de-age these characters this is toby Maguire, who's likely been spider-man for 20 years this yep. is andrew garfield who's had year, water under the bridge in years since losing the love of his life and it affects these men and it shows and it defines the kind of hero they still are and can yeah. show themselves to be. And that and that journey yeah. lets informs Holland's journey. So yes, absolutely. it's it's almost like Spider-Man you know learning from himself. Like it's mm-hmm. it's a bizarre way to put it. But, it is. It's bizarre, no doubt about it. It's still but, a it's a wild it's crazy effective. idea. To, well, it's effective, you know. Uh a couple other things, just just random notes, and hopefully they'll they'll coalesce together into something. Sure. But so one thing that set Holland apart, and this is what dragged the Garfield movies down, was that Feige and company basically said, "Let's forego origin stories. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's like randomly reference the spider biting him. Let's not mm-hmm. even bring in Uncle Ben." Yeah. And of all the speculation I could have had, and this is why Feige is amazing, because he always subverts my expectations in some way. We get the Uncle Ben moment in this Mm, film, but it's mm. not Uncle Ben. It's Aunt May this time. Yeah. And it's amazing because that took me for a loop. Like, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. We're getting the Uncle Ben moment for Holland. Like, 
it, it made me realize that you got to be patient with what Feige is building because, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, those first two films, you're kind of like, well, you know, the heart seems to be Tony Stark. Right. You know, with that. And, we, and, and we, there's a loss there, of course. Well, absolutely. But I think that was one of the complaints about the film or about those films is that Spider-Man, you and I have both agreed that mm-hmm. you put Spider-Man in space, you put Spider-Man so attached to yeah. Tony Stark that you lose a little bit of what Garfield had with Martin Sheen and what uh, Tobey Maguire had with uh, mm-hmm. his Uncle Ben. And It's not the it, same. You're right. It's, it wasn't the same. And this makes up for that because it gives... It gives Tom Holland that emotional anchor that uh, helped the other two. And the other thing that I thought was really impressive was, and tell me if you felt this as well, but the fact now that Green Goblin has affected, it's almost like fate Mm. that he has some kind of influence in some way over Spider-Man because what I loved about this movie, and this is, this is something that got back to the raininess of it all. And I think, I think Mm -hmm. Tom Holland has been not complaining about it, but mentioning that he kind of misses, you know, he said with, with the iron spider suit and everything, like he missed like in the comics and how in like the Tobey Maguire stuff, you know, the suits always ripped up and Spider-Man's getting beat up and stuff. They, there's a tonal switch in this movie that I think Marvel has, if Marvel is faulted for anything, like you said, sometimes they rely on the joke too much or, you mm-hmm. know, they, they, they are a little too uh, not serious. There's a tonal shift in here where Green Goblin, Willem Dafoe, like he turns on, I wasn't sure what he was doing at first. <laughs> okay. I, I, I thought I thought maybe he was a little out of practice with the character because I was like, he's playing this a little odd, but you kind of find out that he's doing that on purpose because in the end he's really psychotic and he is psychotic in this movie. And there's just these, this great moment where it's the apartment battle where green Mm -hmm. goblin is just savagely beating up Tom Holland. Like, I mean, really just throwing him around through building and it's, it's, it feels harder Mm -hmm. than anything I think we've seen in the MCU in terms of a fight. Like it, I agree. you feel the punches, you feel the, you feel the hits, you feel them throwing each other around. There is a true like evilness to Willem Dafoe in this movie that I, I think even like, you know, the greatest villains in the MCU, Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of them are, a lot of the greatest villains in the MCU are, uh, what do you call them? They're, they can be vulnerable at times. They can be misunderstood or they're like, or, or they're just hugely powerful. Like Thanos doesn't have to get in your face and make you bleed to, right. be, to beat you. He's got a glove of stones that can just dis- disintegrate you away. Whereas right. Green Goblin will be in your face, cackling, throwing you through walls and floors and beating the fuck out of you. Yeah, there that's, was a that's scene a where... different villain. There was a scene where Spider-Man is wailing on him, which I thought yes. was pretty, pretty violent for an MCU uh-huh. film. Very. And Defoe is just laughing. And I was yeah. just like, this is what yeah. I wanted. And I love the fact that, you know, there's something so cool about the idea that Tobey Maguire had to deal with his Green Goblin. And I know there's a Green Goblin in uh, Garfield's second one that doesn't come into play here. But mm-hmm. I-, I love the idea that the Goblin is like this multiversal threat. And that the one from Toby would ultimately deal a horrifying blow to Holland too. And to me, that makes these universes solidify even more. Yeah. Like 
I, I don't think I can watch those older movies the same anymore because they mm-hmm. have been fun, fundamentally changed and not in a bad way. Like it's no. not like, like I said, I'm always using Ghostbusters Afterlife as an example I of understand. The, the, the wrong, the wrong thing to do in my opinion. Okay. Um, that's like taking like the greatest hits of the stuff you yeah. like, ignoring the bad. What I really like about this movie is they, in the, in the classic Feige MCU thing, like there's moments where like the, the villains will like be like, like there's a great scene where Electro is talking to, um, I can't remember who he's talking to. Probably Dr. Octavius down probably, in the little, the little dungeon yeah. in the wizard spot. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this, there's this moment where he's like, yeah, I, I fell into a pool of eel, electric eels. And it's yeah. so silly when you think about it. But the yeah. way that they, now that they're thrown into this universe where there's magic and multiverse and stuff, there's it almost justifies it more. It's like, yeah, things are kind of goofy in that universe. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes me feel like the Garfield universe yeah. is like the, the goofy version of the, yeah. the Raimi verse. And or it makes that, it uh, more palatable, you know? Yeah, there's that great scene uh, where right before the Statue of Liberty battle, mm-hmm. where it's kind of the downtime before the villains get there, that they all kind of exchange their little compliments to each other about, hey, it's great to see you here and stuff like that. And they they all kind of like call out each other's stuff, like whether it's the organic web shooters or calling Andrew Garfield amazing. And like, you're just all the little, <laughs> there, some of it is built into, you know, knowing tongue in cheek jokes, but at the same time, all of it honors where it came from before. And that's a really cool thing. And, and you're right. And to be able to do that with a little bit of revision and yet with revision, with respect, like it, and then maybe some of that is Sony just protecting its properties and all that, but it would be really easy to answer the haters and be like, yeah, those Andrew Garfield movies that underperformed, you know, let's make fun of him here for a second and have this character here just for fun. Or, you know, the last time you saw Tobey Maguire was emo Tobey Maguire in Spider-Man <laughs> three. There's no way he got past that. And you're, yeah, that's the way you're, you're the last taste in your mouth of him is that yet here, they both come with their unseen years of years since baggage. And especially Toby, Toby plays this so, so good as the, as the, mm-hmm. as the veteran, you know, and oh my goodness, like, and both guys haven't figured their stuff out. Both guys are still struggling. Both guys are are as tortured as they ever were, where the angst has grown into anxiety, or the the teenage angst that defined them as kids has now made them into just, uh, I don't want to say estranged adults, you know, but but places yeah. where they're just damaged, and they'll always be damaged, and that's kind of how they're supposed to be. They've seen some shit, they've done some shit, they've lost some shit. They better be damaged. The quippiness that comes out of them in the, you know, once they put the mask on and the Spider-Man banter comes out, you don't get a lot of that out of Garfield and Maguire in this movie. A little bit, just because there's enthusiasm there to get back to work, but not in the devil may care kind of way. And Holland, through all of that, grows out of his devil may care arc. We're like, hey, I'm, I am Tony Jr. I'm, I've got great things. I've been to space. I've done all these amazing things. I've saved the world. I got Happy Hogan. My aunt's great. I've got a good girlfriend. All of that can be taken away in a heartbeat by poor decisions and loss. And he goes through that and comes out of it a better man. And that's a cool thing. Yeah, no, uh, you know, uh, this is kind of a weird comparison, but um, the X-Files is one of my favorite shows. And um the X-Files had a number of spinoffs, right? Um, now, the spinoffs um, 
did not have as much success, obviously, as the X-Files, which was a right. huge phenomenon. Um, in fact, it's kind of one of these weird things where um, you had two shows. You had Millennium with Lance Hendrickson, and then you had The Lone Gunman uh, had their own shows. Millennium lasted about three seasons. Lone Gunman only lasted one. So X-Files was still on when both of those shows were on and then canceled. So the X-Files was still going. And what I thought was really unique about the X-Files was that they were able to give Millennium a, technically a series finale by having it in the X-Files. And they did the same thing with the Lone Gunman. The Lone Gunman basically got their own series finale in the ninth season of the X-Files. So what it what it did is it it kind of like obviously Millennium had its ups and downs. It lasted a few seasons, and, and the Lone Gunman was kind of a failure, you know, in terms of it only lasted 13 episodes or whatever. But the X-Files gave them that opportunity to right any wrongs and uh, give them a last say for those characters, you know? Um, So Millennium, it didn't work so well because that episode's terrible. But uh, the Lone Gunman episode is really good. It's it's really like a great, like, capper for for those characters, not only from the X-Files, but for their own show. This movie kind of functions the same way because regardless of what people think about um, Toby Maguire's first two films. Uh, the third one is quite polarizing. Mm-hmm. Um, leaves a bad taste in some people's mouth. I like it a lot. Um, and then there are lovers and haters of the Garfield stuff. So what this film does, almost like giving it like a retroactive finale, is like kind of like the Lone Gunman or Millennium with the X-Files, is Tom Holland and the MCU basically allows... I mean, who knows? They may come back. I doubt it. I hope they don't. Because it no, would be I a hope this is it. Yeah. yeah, they give them a finale. They give them finality. They give them closure. Like not only in what those characters represent, because there's a fantastic moment, you know, where Holland is about to murder Green Goblin, mm-hmm. and Toby stops him and says, yeah. "He just all he does do is look with his eyes and says, stop, don't mm-hmm. do this. I've been there.' Mm-hmm. You know, and then you got McGuire doing his thing and." Or, I'm sorry, uh, Garfield doing his thing, and they all get their moment. They do to justify their existence, and I'm not going to say right any wrongs because I mean, whatever. It's everybody's opinion on the film. Some people don't think it's wrong, but it. If you don't like Spider-Man three, this movie will give you finality. Instead of the last image being Spider-Man three of Tobey mm-hmm. Maguire, now you have this film. You have yeah. the character reaching closure. Yeah. Andrew Garfield. Now, there is one, I'll get to that in a minute, I'll let you speak, but okay, I have only one complaint um, about this movie, and uh, I'll get to that. It has a Garfield element. Okay. But, but even like Garfield, like they, they managed to be like, like, it's like you said, they're respectful of the source material. Like they're respectful of the Amazing Spider-Man films. Mm-hmm. but also like willing to make fun of it where they need to like yeah they're, they're like yeah i got to fight a russian guy in a rhino outfit that's <laughs> you know like, yeah. like yeah. and and that's that's funny because it's kind of like uh-huh. yeah that that is a cute little like yeah that was kind of stupid wasn't it you know what i mean and um mm-hmm. uh, so that's where i'm going with that i'll get to my complaint in a minute but what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on the closure for these characters that we should if you put this on paper, if you told me in 2002 when I'm watching oh, Spider-Man whew, in college right? that I would see Tobey Maguire again 20 plus years later, mm-hmm. 
And I'm getting to see his character one last time in his mm-hmm. in his uniform or whatever. I know, call it. right? I would say you're crazy. I would say mm-hmm. you are nuts. That would never happen. And here we are. Yeah, I I I would have believed it in 2002 because like what a great start. This guy could play the character forever. Mm-hmm. If you would have told me in 2007 when Spider-Man Three ended as the dog that it kind of was received to be that it was, if you would have told me, hey, this ended badly. But Toby will be back someday, and it'll it'll make it all right. Mm-hmm. I yet that's when I would have told you you're crazy. And then with Garfield, the crazy thing, and we talked about this in our episode with Garfield, is this was really difficult to wrap your arms around the Garfield films because it was happening concurrently with the MCU. Where and I posed this question to us in the Garfield episode of how would we have felt if it was Andrew Garfield Spider Man that stole Captain America's shield and popped onto that hood in Civil War. And I, if I remember correctly, I was going to be very okay with it. Like, yeah, go ahead and give Garfield a chance. He's a good enough actor. We can Mm -hmm. skip all the origin stuff with Spider-Man and have an established guy ready to go who can jump right into a global threat because he's been Spider-Man long enough to not be a rookie. And now that I, I entertained that notion when we recorded our Garfield show, no offense to Holland, I would have been very okay with that. And here we are with a moment where Garfield has a chance to come back here and, and yeah, do right by that character. And, and the number one greatest scenes from the, the two Garfield movies is the Emma Stone stuff with Gwen Stacy mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and filming and the, and the, 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 um, the comic accurate portrayal of that loss. Now we've talked about in that episode, how it's, it's dust under the carpet kind of, it's, overly quickly especially with the dennis Leary stuff you know at the end of the movie but that loss was still there that scene with the spider web that turns into a hand reaching out to save her and it can't yeah it's a crusher of a scene and to and to see that be reflected in this older version of the character who gets to come back and make that right and of course his save of zendaya that is is fucking beautiful oh see that is my one you don't like it oh let me hear about i segued right then let me hear about it yeah, that's my one complaint. Um, because Tell like I how. said, I, like I said, I think the example I always use, I mean, because Marvel does it all the time for me, is okay. You, okay, so Infinity War comes out, right? And in the opening sequence, you got the Hulk getting his ass beat by Thanos, right? That's right. So any other studio, any other scriptwriter would set that up for a redemption arc for Hulk, right? Where mm-hmm. he's gonna face off against Thanos again. Oh. You're going here right. again, huh? Okay. No, 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 I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, that is the typical way it would go. Like, yeah. that's how that's how it would go. They, that's not what happened. They went a whole different route, and then it never became an issue. You know, like, it didn't even become a possibility mm-hmm. with those characters because they didn't want to go that route. And And I think that a lot of these MCU properties take that left turn when you think they're going to go right. Mm. Um, now you didn't watch the trailers, but one I of the one of the mistakes they made in the trailer is they do show Zendaya falling oh, in, in, in this okay. in the sim in the similar way that Gwen Stacy falls, right? Of course, okay. So go figure. My thing was, and that's okay because that's kind of an iconic Spider-Man thing. I mean, MJ it falls a hundred times, Gwen Stacy fell, whatever. So I was expecting that. However, for the first time, the First time in 13 years, and that's okay. Give them a break. Okay. They made a mistake. <laughs> that was the first time where I think they went too obvious. Because as soon as Holland okay. gets knocked away by the glider, and you're like, oh, well, who's going to save her? 
I think a lot of fan expectations, a lot of theories were like, oh, it's going to be Garfield to make up for the mm-hmm. um, for the uh, Gwen Stacy thing. Yeah. To me. Now, as the guy who watched no trailers, complete, glorious, fulfilling surprise. See, and, I, and I, I kind of had a feeling that was going to happen. Okay, and I was go. I was disappointed because I think that to me the, there's a scene right before it that justifies that not that shouldn't have happened. Okay. Like to me, it should have been Toby or even Doctor Octopus that saves her mm. because okay. there's a scene where Tom Holland is like, I don't care anymore. I'm not going to save anybody. F the world. Aunt May's dead. Right. Right. And Toby McGuire has this awesome moment where he's just like. Uncle Ben died because of me. Mm-hmm. It's my it's my fault. The rooftop um, scene, right? Where he where he catches the criminal and the criminal dies on accident, but you know he he was so vengeful, you know, and also you know he let the the robber get by that eventually killed Uncle Ben. Right. So to me, it's like the whole essence of Spider Man is that you take that core mistake and he uses his goodwill in all future acts to make up for that act. Okay. To me, by having Garfield save Zendaya, it takes away just a little bit of the Emma Stone thing because part of that, because to me, part of that Spider-Man's loss that would propel him in the future is Mm -hmm. the fact that he couldn't save Gwen Stacy. This in a way almost kind of, it almost kind of makes up for it because he holds her in his arms, he looks at her, and he's like, I did it. I, I can't believe I did yeah. it. And, and the, emotion, were, the emotion takes him over. It's beautiful. No, no, it, that is great. The acting is fantastic. Like Andrew Griffith, yeah. knocking it out of the park. Yeah. I just I just think that it would be, how would you feel if like, you know. What, if Tobey Maguire stops a glider from skewering another person again? Because we get that too. See, I, didn't, I, I, I didn't forget about that. But no, I'm thinking of more something similar to like, you know. I don't know. Toby Maguire saves Uncle Ben in an alternate time. I don't know. Something that, where see that's revisionist. This is years have gone by. Mistakes have been made. Characters right. have had their arcs to grow, change, and be defined by previous loss. Mm-hmm. When those chances come to redeem yourself, little mm-hmm. times, big times. I don't care if it's a cat in a tree or you save a subway train or you get to save somebody's love. Mm-hmm. When you can make those happen because of the correcting yourself or improving yourself since previous laws whether that's toby catching a glider whether that's andrew catching a woman falling those feel more earned than placement and duplication especially because of the years in the arc i can i can see that i can change my mind a little bit on it i think maybe because now it's now don't get me wrong it's a bouquet given to that character for this moment in this movie where there's a good chance this is a one-shot moment and you're going to give everybody a hero moment and my goodness i mean and then toby gets stabbed two seconds later so and you think he's going to damn die so yeah like that's that was a problem i had too because they played it like he was going to die from i know and then and then he gets up and is like yeah i've been stabbed before i'm good but i was like what like uh, that so those would you would you preferred he died yes I kind of did too. Like if, yeah, like if you're going to come this far and the most veteran Spider-Man who's likely taught Holland the most, if, if yes. it's one more, I, no, but I get that that would pile on the deaths where, 
because there's a good chance when you think about it, this Holland has had an Uncle Ben moment we haven't seen, mm-hmm. a Tony Stark moment that was huge, and now an Aunt May moment that has enraged and broken him. And yep. then you take away Toby. I, yeah, there's probably well, and in the don't, don't forget that they also took away MJ and his best friend <laughs> and Happy. Oh, with the and, mind erase stuff. And, yeah, and the Avengers. I mean, he's lost. Yeah. everything so yeah i guess but at that see. point it's like at that point yeah. it's like why not you know what i mean but i get it yeah. it's almost like torture porn you know it's like yeah, how much there. how much can you inflict on this character so i, I yeah. guess you're right i guess you're right they should have played it off a little differently like oh uh, I, I wouldn't have had it any other way i'm not gonna lie not no gonna no lie. it's a great move you're like oh shit like he got stabbed but but mm-hmm. the way they play it off like that oh, was the stabbing yeah i thought you meant the garfield one no no no, no, was, no the stabbing one's a little half-ass but uh the garfield definitely, one definitely. was 100 amazing so, so well here's my I, question to kind okay. of spin as close well here you go first because sometimes yeah, yeah. you got a longer thing i have um two i have one question for you and then okay. i also have a general statement about the future of the mcu based on this i was going to lean us to future so i'll take that question right. now. you bet you so let me do the question first so i was talking to a few critics after mm-hmm. the screening and i said that this was a great film for me yeah because i'm not just an mcu guy i'm a marvel guy my whole life i've mm-hmm. i've you know i've been to all the marvel films with the good ones and the bad ones and i've read the comics and everything me too so i was saying that I don't know, and I want to get your opinion on this. I don't know if this film can stand on its own as a film because for me and for super fans and stuff, or people who like the films only, not even the comics, mm-hmm. there is a lot of background that you have to know to you kind do. of appreciate the film and get the laughs out of it and the emotional elements to it. Because if yeah. you haven't seen the Andrew Garfield Spider Man movies, you're lost. I mean, I don't, this, I don't. Yeah. I don't think you're lost, but uh, the, the emotional impact of Savings and Zaya or... Yeah, you'll, you know, miss, you'll miss nuances along the way. Totally. You'll definitely miss a lot of nuances. So do you think that this film stands on its own as... And this will lead into the future discussion because I want to talk about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this film can stand on its own? Absolutely not. the past? No. Okay. Absolutely gotcha. not. You. This is a completest dream. Like you, you need to be... And I know need is a really strong word to put there. But, I mean, even from the basic setup, you need Far From Home. Mm-hmm. If you don't know that Mysterio has out of Spider-Man, I know they re- re- recap at the very beginning, but it, it, the idea that you have that for the first third of the movie, there's all that conspiracy theorist of Mysterio was right, like kind of like Thanos is right going on right now in the Hawkeye show, mm-hmm. where unless you can go, re- unless you remember your deep dive Jake Gyllenhaal motivations from the last movie, you kind of need that. And then, of course, to get the motifs and the character pieces of Maguire and Garfield, yeah, you need them all. You need them all. If there's one movie you don't need, it's Spider-Man 3, which is because that's the one they kind of shave off and forget. Um, you know, I, I know there's the, the the Black Alien goo joke, but that's kind of the only Spider-Man 3 piece you get. Other than MJ MG and I are working it out, like you could tell it's you know kirsten dunst and Tobey Maguire in this future are still together and oh my god could that have been a coup if you would have got dunst but no this movie cannot stand alone you need every piece along the way well and so here's my here's my thing this ties into this is what i want to talk about the future okay Mm -hmm. because this ties into the end credit sequence okay yeah Uh, yeah. which which uh former guest and friend ben uh was Mm -hmm. really really pissed off about Ooh, uh, by the, by the way, hear this. all right. So, so hold on. So let me, a little backtrack, little, little history here. You could write an entire timeline of 
this is Marvel's biggest risk. You know, you could, you I, could, I you had, could, a fellow, I had a fellow critic say the same thing to me tonight. Like they felt this movie had more balls than even Endgame because Endgame and Infinity War. Yes, there's the blip and there's the radio silence, but you know, everyone's coming back in a year to save the day. Right. No, no, I'm not going in that direction. What I mean by that is okay. in terms of the, in terms of the studio. So the ah, first, okay. the first, the first one was Thor. It was like, can you pull off gods existing in the same universe as mm. Tony Stark, right? They right. passed they passed that test. Right. You know, the next one was can you put a team together and make it a compelling film with the Avengers? It passed the test. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy, can you have a talking raccoon and a talking tree? Yeah, and go full uh, space. Right. Go full space. Can you do that? They passed that test. You can make a whole history of all the big risks mm-hmm. that Marvel's taken that they've passed. However, this is what worries me a little bit. And I want to get your take on the future because mm. The, the second end credit sequence isn't really an end credit sequence. It's a trailer it's, for yep. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now here's the problem with this trailer. Now it's great for me and it's great maybe for you. And it's great for a lot of other people that I talked to after the screening. Cause we we're like, Hey, that was cool. This is what scares me a little bit. Um, it's different than introducing new characters in a one-off movie. The trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness you know, introduces Wanda again mm-hmm. and mentions WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Then you've got mentioning the multiverse. You've got, right. then you have mentions of what if, like maybe yes, what if is do. becoming real because you got crazy Dr. Strange, right? Yes. you And so, truth about Dr. Strange, all that. Yeah. Yeah. So what worries me a little bit, and, and this, this is why I'm worried because Shang-Chi Eternals, Black Widow and a couple of these other shows have done a really good job of almost feeling like standalone movies within mm-hmm. the universe. And even uh, even periphery of the universe, like not exactly right yeah. in the middle. Right. This is looking to be because they have Doctor Strange in the Spider-Man movie for a reason. It's it's yes, to it's to set up and solidify the multiverse. Yeah. Because I have a feeling, because if you notice, there is a there is a moment in Spider-Man. And I'm trying to figure out if it's connected to Multiverse of Madness and, and there's like a time element to it. Okay. Because you'll notice there's a moment like when after uh, Peter or after uh, Doctor Strange takes Peter out of the highway and captures Dr. Octopus. Mm-hmm. And you see that he's got Lizard in there already. Mm-hmm. Um, he's all like fucked up. Like he's got like blood beat up a little bit. He's right. beat up a little bit. So I'm wondering like did something happen? Like I, I feel that's the lizard fight. You think that's the lizard fight? You think the lizard would cause that much damage on Doctor Strange? He is just human other than he's got no time stone. Like it's he's yeah, it, you get a couple punches in in a sewer and on lizard surf, probably. I don't know. Maybe that's just my disbelief because he's gone head to head with Thanos and come out without bleeding. So it's like oh, kind of like I don't my know. Yeah, maybe he was bleeding a little bit, but anyway, yeah. so regardless, the, the trailer has purposefully elements. Outside of the movies, it has Disney Plus material in it. Mm-hmm. And if this is going to be hard, the Spider-Man movie, which is going to be a massive success because oh, everyone loves Spider-Man. Huge. Yes. But if you're trying to sell a Doctor Strange movie and it is directly connected to Loki, what if, and mm-hmm. WandaVision, mm-hmm. which which require like, it's one thing to go to the, the red box and rent, rent a movie yeah. to catch up. This is, uh, a Disney, re- this is a Disney Plus subscription and something you can't finish in two weeks. Right. This is something where you're going to have to be – you got to know what's happening in Spider-Man. You have to know what happened yeah. in WandaVision. So is, the game. Mm-hmm. is this another 
test that they'll pass easily? Or could this be, Ooh. could this be the moment where the MCU gets too top heavy? Ah, see. All right. You're, you know what? I've, I have voiced this exact fear and I, and I maybe was one, I don't think I was one film too soon because I think, I think we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the Holland films in our episode where you have Spider-Man, a globally recognized hero. Like you have Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, where you can put that symbol in front of anywhere in the world and they'll know who it is in third world countries, fourth world countries. So I, I think we, I, you saw the piece of the article I wrote to be my review of this. Like mm-hmm. there was a very, there was a better chance of this movie passing the Oh shit test than mm-hmm. any other movie. Thanks to having a super popular character. Right. Whereas once, but Dr. Strange is a harder sell because the magician, the magician stuff is a reach and it's, it, let's be honest. It's a little hokier with the portals and the silliness and the, no, don't get me wrong. Oh, they the joke magic. about it in the movie. They yeah. joke about it in the movie. Like there's fucking, like, I think Jamie Foxx yeah. is like, there's magic here. Like, yeah, like or, or just how easily Ned can take a dumbass brass two finger ring and make it happen himself. Like it's really hokey. They, set up that paid it off, they paid that off a little bit. Like they, they made did. a Ned joke where he said, yeah. My my grandma always said that I had magic because my fingers would always tinkle when I would, you know, yeah. do this thing. And then you're like, oh, well, maybe he has the same thing that you can learn to have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, Doctor Strange, even Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme, it took him like, you know, six months or whatever to learn how to do it. Where Ned did it in like right. ten seconds. But I know what you mean. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. But like the idea is, Doctor Strange, and you bring in in having it was always touted to be when they announced it, like Marvel's horror film, like. Even the first film, thanks to being directed by Scott Derrickson, who had horror roots, was going to be something freakier. And how would that be a tough sell? And doc, the first Doctor Strange movie, I don't find to be that freaky or horror based at all. Not, not even to the level of like Raimi, where he can put a couple of jump scares in the movie. But now that you've right. got Raimi back, kind of in his element, and then you have full multiverse, thanks to this trailer at the end. Yes, that movie completely is a tougher sell and as tough a sell as I've always felt Loki was like, once you take this time traveled Loki, who's a villain, that's going to be hard to root for anyway, even though he's charming as fuck. Um, but you do the TVA and you go full multiverse and you have Kang show up in long conversations and multiple Lokis. And it just gets weird and very thick and very, a lot of grain of salt trusting here. I I do believe Doctor Strange is going to be a tougher sell. And the nice part about this Spider-Man movie is all my fears that I had are kind of buttoned up because, yes, they dip their toe into these grander, risky, stake-filled things while still staying a street-level hero and having an ending where all that stuff is buttoned up and everything disappears and everything's right in the world. And if this is the one shot of one shots where we get McGuire and Garfield and everybody, awesome. They did it. They played it. It worked. And they're done. So, but now that is broken further, and obviously in darker, bigger directions, and I think we knew it was going to be because you know the way WandaVision ended and the way Loki ended. Mm-hmm. That's asking a lot of people, not just like you said in a subscription standpoint, but also from a less enigmatic hero. No offense to Strange and Cumberbatch. He's no, not, no, he's not Spider Man. You know, and and I am. I've always been a defender of the art of the MCU. I feel I feel mm-hmm. it is a story and character first thing, money second. I've always felt. That I agree. Way. How, however, yeah. however, you think this I, is a cash grab for Disney Plus that make you see everything? No, no, no. What I mean, what I'm saying is, is yeah. I think that Doctor Strange is only in this movie to oh to agree. get 
to get people used to him because yeah. everyone's going to see Spider-Man. So they're going to see Dr. Strange. Like I yes. guarantee you people that saw infinity war and Endgame, there were probably people who had not seen Dr. Strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thor Ragnarok was not as big as the Spider-Man movies or the infinity war Endgame. They mm-hmm. threw, they threw Dr. Strange in there to yeah. Hulk you know, in there too, a little bit. Right. Yeah. So it's, more i think it is more of a business decision it's still story it's still story centric because they're trying to sell a doctor strange movie and he's a great character and i love the first one but i think he's you could have easily had more of the thor ragnarok thing where strange is only in this for like a minute yeah as opposed to being a almost a central character or um or if you remove him entirely now i I know this he's brought into this movie by peter walking up to his doorstep to be like hey i i need some help and you're the local guy who can probably help and he's probably and when you think about it post infinity war or i'm sorry post endgame he is probably the most powerful dude in town left simple as that Right. right so um i get that he's convenient and he's new york and he's there and i completely agree that he's here to be your training wheels to lead you into the next more complicated thing. Mm-hmm. But I do wonder, I I asked myself that in the wide home, like if you could, if he wasn't in this movie one bit, if this, if this multiverse just manifested itself, let's say because of the ending of Loki. Mm-hmm. And like, if that's one of the last images, a hardcore MCU fan finds is that last image of Loki of all these splintered timelines and little fissures here and fissures there. Like what if this movie was no Dr. Strange and just those purple fissures opening in the sky and out comes this, out comes that. And they all happen to know Peter. Do we need Dr. Strange and his extra exposition in mirror verse fight? Like, does that shave 15 minutes out of this movie? Mm. You know, I, I don't know if it does. I I don't mind him being around. I definitely agree that he's there to lead into the next movie. Yeah. And I, and I, I like it. I liked Dr. Strange. I love Benedict. Oh yeah. His, his quips having, are great. Yeah. He's having a great year. And uh, mm-hmm. some of the awful lines from the trailers, which everyone was making fun of are not in this movie. So no, oh, yeah, um, I'll go back and watch these trailers. I normally do when the, when it's all said and done, I do go back and watch a trailer. Too. There's one, there's one, well, we won't go into it, but another thing I thought was interesting real quick. And this isn't about mm-hmm. the future. This is about, the future a little bit i'll have a future thing for you next too i think (laughs) i think sony is i think that they're scared to introduce i think they want to have their own tom hardy universe yes because this movie had the opportunity i was thinking because after at the end of venom let there be carnage Mm-hmm. You're kind of thinking like, oh shit! Like Eddie Brock got through, right? Yeah, and he got through and the he spell. may just show up in New York. Yeah, right. And and I like that he didn't just show up for like a fan service thing. But I got to say, I was a little disappointed because I was thinking, okay, somehow he didn't get through. Like somehow he stayed. You know, like in Mexico. If and he then stays, he- I feel like if he stays is because he doesn't. Well, remember the the rub was these people are here because they know Peter Parker, Spider Man. Tom Tom Hardy's Venom does not know that. That but might be the, your loophole. But that's the thing. He disappears, though. He goes he back to his timeline. Yeah. But they leave a little bit of Venom there. But I, I got to oh, say. I think that's fun, too. Yeah. I, no, that's fun. But I got to say, I am. I was looking forward to I know you weren't because you don't necessarily like this Venom. I like this Venom. I don't like this I, Venom, yeah. I was pumped to see Tom Hardy and Tom Holland interact. And I don't think it's going to happen now. And that's no. kind of a bummer to me. Yeah, I, I I wonder if him disappearing, and here's the future thing I was going towards, was um, mm-hmm. I wonder if him disappearing is, hey, we know the Hardy thing, 
isn't the most well-received thing. It was fun for what it is. Venom is more than just Tom Hardy or, you know, because maybe it's also Hardy is going to age himself out of this too in a hurry because he kind of might, he might. So, Mm -hmm. but like, here's our way of like acknowledging Hardy, the cool run that it was, but maybe it's the, this Tom Holland, because my complaint has been, and we talked about this in our Venom show, was you're going to have this comedic boobish Venom come show up at, you know, cart before the horse style in this Toby, in this, I'm sorry, this Tom Holland Spider-Man. And it's not going to go together because you can't have Venom without Spider-Man. We've had that discussion and all that yeah. where it was going to be forced and dumb and not as imposing as it would have been as if it was part of him. Right. Now that Tom Hardy is maybe blinked back to gone. his reality, gone, yeah. but there's that little piece of the symbiote left that might just be your, hey, down the road, that just might find its way to Holland. And we have our true Venom, our black costume, our our changed kid, and yep. a different Venom for a different moment and all that. But at the same time with Future, we've got this revisionist, like the 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 memory wipe ending here puts Toby removes the t- Tony Jr. stuff, which I love because yes. now, now he's back to, or he's out of high school and he's out there getting a job and at the, where he's poor rents due on the first Spider-Man. And yeah. now I, I think because of that, and now that you've blinked him out of, you know, the, the collective, likely the collective memory of the Avengers level stuff, I think we're, and I said this when we were talking about our last episode, how do you deflate the balloon without it being oversaturated and stretched to look like old balls? They have found a way to deflate the balloon and keep it taut because now we're, I don't want to say we're right back where we started from, but we're right back where he belongs. And that's an amazing thing where you can go anywhere now with this new, with this, with this cleaned, clean slate Holland, because maybe he meets actually Mary Jane Watson and you know the initials remind him of this great girl he knew in high school or he's gonna have or he's gonna have or here's the weird part and a buddy of mine credit to David Fowley here uh he uh maybe he meets whenever the Osbournes show up in this world he's gonna have trepidation of like well I faced one of them before and that's gonna be weird and not as uniquely uh comic and canon as the Osborne stuff could be mm-hmm. or should be. Mm-hmm. But all of that's gonna change for him. And maybe that symbiote that's left there is enough to have Venom, maybe the good old fashioned Spider-Man first way. So but the future, the cra- crazy thing is, even though we have our trailer for Doctor Strange, I don't think Spider-Man is going to show up in that movie. And therefore Spider-Man is in a very much a holding pattern until Sony in this next re-signed deal goes. Right. Which is Sad in some ways because Raimi's directing it and it would be nice to have him direct another Spider-Man scene, but I get True. it, you know. Now, my, my last thing I wanted to say, I forgot to mention this, is, okay. um, is this isn't the actor's fault. It's not the director's fault. It's not even the screenwriter's fault. Okay. This is just a situation both in Spider-Man 3 and in this movie where poor Thomas Hayden Church just becomes surplus to requirements. Yeah. I'm just Justice for Hayden Church, man, because... The way Raimi sets up Sandman in Spider-Man 3, the way he's set up, the way he's introduced and given like a very like sensitive, understandable arc, even mm-hmm. though he's, he's quote unquote a villain, was great. And then the studio said, throw Venom in there. Sandman gets yeah. pushed to the side. Same thing with this one. They start out really good with Sandman because like mm-hmm. he's like, Peter, I'm here to help you against Electro, you know, mm-hmm. and you're like, OK, cool. He's a good guy. Like, that's cool. And then he just turns and then he just kind of becomes fodder to. Yeah. Uh, uh, he gets you know. i mean he gets that I, we talked about this a little bit where 
the villains here get depth and closure and growth too, where, you know, Goblin, now Goblin's growth is into a deeper, less Power Rangers costume place, which is awesome. And then True. obviously Dr. Octopus has that arc of correction. Right. Electri- I, I, props to Jamie Foxx for making easily the most <laughs> indomitable guy out there. Now I know it's Jamie Foxx playing Jamie Foxx, but he was he's my fun. least he's, favorite part of the yeah. movie. Just like uh, he, he was my least favorite part yeah. in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. But, but I mean, from a battle standpoint, he's the hardest guy to get out. He's your big heavy because how you yeah. beat that. So yeah, it sure. helps. It helps. And uh, But no, he's given at least a little bit of a they all get their closure, which is really cool too. And and same thing with the heroes. If this is the last and only time they're back, no problem. I was waiting uh, yeah. for because you yeah. realize they have five, and they're one away from being the Sinister Six movie we always dreamed about. The one piece that would have completed this, where you have a little bit of everybody from every era, is if Mike Michael Keaton's Vulture showed up. Like that, that would be your sixth. That would be your current. He knows that Peter is Spider Man. And it would go along with all the other guys, and he could be the pot that stirs the drink for a few other villainous things. That would have been you would have got your you would have got your Sinister Six movie and cake and eat it to all the things. That brings up a super confusing way to explain this uh, Morbius movie that's coming out because you haven't. I know you haven't seen the trailers. I have. Okay. So Morbius was coming out with Jared Leto. uh, Previous previously of. uh, it's a me, a pizza pie, and a Gucci. Na, 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 na. Like it's like he's coming off of that performance. Yeah. Um, so Morbius is a, um, you know, Spider-Man villain. He's kind of like a vamp, living vampire kind of thing. Um, in the trailer for Morbius, and this this came out almost pre-COVID, so this yeah, was this was in the works. There's a chance he um, made this movie before your Gucci joke, right? So. There's three things that connect it to all kinds of universes. There is the Daily Bugle Western edition, I think, which is what uh, Brock, Eddie Brock, mm-hmm. writes for in the Venomverse. Right. There's some buildings in the background that say, like, Oscor. There is there is a poster of Spider-Man that says Murderer in an alleyway in one of the trailers. And then Vulture shows up. Michael oh. Keaton. Okay, okay. So it's kind of like, here's the thing. So, Michael, so my, my understanding with the spell, and I, hopefully they'll explain it a little bit better okay. in, fu- in future stuff, because it is a little confusing, because it's like Happy Super Hogan. Super specific and selective, yeah. Well, because Happy Hogan doesn't even know, like, he obviously is upset that Aunt May is dead, but he had no freaking clue that she had Peter. You know what I mean? Like well, it, it's I'm surprised he even knew Aunt May if he didn't know Peter. Right. So this brings up an interesting thing. So let's say Vulture's still in play, because he's still alive at the end of Homecoming. Uh-huh. He's still he in probably play, right? doesn't know Peter is right. so if the spell works. So it's kind of like, what's he there for? Like he was pro- he'd probably wake up suddenly and he's in jail and he's like, Why am I even in jail? Like because like what did I do? Because right. I, I robbed the Avengers plane mm-hmm. and Spider-Man stopped me. Like, but that none of that stuff like exists. Like that stuff's not yeah. even on record anymore. So I, I'm I'm interested to see when we talk about the future, like obviously Sony is allowing these properties to come into the MCU because mm-hmm. they realize it's a great decision to do that from a storytelling and a money making perspective. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I'm interested to see like because I guess you could could you say and this is a little bit of a sidebar. Okay. But can you say the Raimi verse is now MCU? 
Un- yes, I think yeah. you have to. Oh, which is crazy. Uh, yeah, like, it is, isn't it? It's, I mean, I guess if we were to sleep on because we just saw this movie hours ago, something tells me the longer, because we also said it's not a standalone, I think the longer we, if someone really wanted to pick at this and dwell on it a ton, we'd be starting to poke some of these same holes that we're doing, where this seems overconvenient, even from a magical standpoint. This sure, seems overconvenient sure. from a break everything and get Doctor Strange next movie standpoint, where, mm-hmm. you know, or... It's very selective in terms of what villains you brought back and you don't bring them all. And there's, you know, because Topher Grace knows that Peter is Spider-Man. Like, you're 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 being very selective for a movie's sake. And there's holes you can poke there all day well, long. Yeah, if you, and I'm sure some nerd's going to do a fucking Twitter video to tell us all about it. But <laughs> I don't want it. And I'm fine with what we've got. Well, because, I mean, Green Goblin dies pretty definitively in Raimi's first Spider-Man film. Very. Um, Doc Ock, you could argue maybe argue it away by some he kind pulls, of... He pulls, a Wolverine, pulls a yeah, Wolverine and washes up on shore. Yeah, who yeah, knows? Electro, you kind of... like So hmm. that is confusing, too, because... Toby Maguire's, fine. Because Tobey Maguire is talking about how... James Franco, we know why he's not in the movie because he's not exactly uh, mm-hmm. hireable right now. Right. But, you know, they talked about how James Franco is dead, but it's like, well, so did, <laughs> so was Willem Dafoe. Like, mm-hmm. so, like, how is he still alive when the the portal's open? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's a little confusing because, it, and in one of the trailers, they said uh, all these characters died fighting Spider Man. They say that in the trailer. It's a right. fake line because they don't yeah, say that in the movie. Sam, Sandman doesn't die. Sandman didn't die. I forget Lizard's fate, but it, I think he was apprehended. In the yeah, I'm gonna die. think so too. I don't remember though. Uh, but yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a weird. Yeah, we're gonna see some weird stuff because if Sony's gonna allow this Morbius thing to go through, like, is that mm-hmm. part of the MCU now? Like, how is Venom gonna play? Yeah, like, state of Venom, right? Are they going to mess with, like, are is this kind of the cap? Because both movies have made money, right? The Venom movies. Oh, I mean, yeah. The, They're the doing fine. Made, the, so, like, is Hardy going to come back? And are, is he ever going to have, like, like that moment where he gets to meet the new Venom? Like, you know what I mean? It's just, it, there's a lot of stuff uh, that could happen, and it could all be yeah. bad. Right. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Um, I know I'm sounding more negative than I intend to because I love well, this movie. So, well, I well, that's the thing. Like, something tells me when I do sleep on it, I'm gonna reach the point we're already tiptoeing with, where I'm like, "Hey, this is fun. The heart is all there, but let's be honest, it's a it it's it's not DC level convoluted and retcon, right, but it's right. got enough. Hey, wait, so re- selective, got enough selective hearing and selective issues to just be." overly convenient well we'll just have to see i yeah. mean i mean because I, you can't wait ta- you and me talked about this on facebook you know like i think your your fear was that they were over relying on the multiverse and mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. i think we i told you that you know of the nine projects this year only like three or three and yeah. a half have yeah. really mentioned the multiverse so i want to just i want to keep my faith in kevin feige that this will somehow work out because like I said, you got Shang Chi introducing other dimensions. You've mm-hmm. got, you know, we've we still got the well, street level stuff with Falcon we, and the Winter Soldier and all that. Yeah. So. Here, here's the thing I'm thinking of where sharks are still jumped. You know what I mean? This sure. movie does go multiverse. 
that's a shark it jumps uh loki goes crazy multiverse big shark jumped dr strange is looking like an ocean of sharks being jumped and then at the same time we had we are still going to have a reality and it's not addressed in this movie that a fucking eternal was was being you know growing inside the middle of the earth and tried to <laughs> blow up the planet like that's yeah. a shark jumping thing where sure you add all these jump sharks together and yeah something and if it, and if eternals didn't derail it then we're okay but something somewhere is going to is going to is yeah it's going to be the top heavy challenge i do think that next one is doctor strange i think with ant-man Ant-Man stays street level, although he's got the quantum in the in the deep. He's gonna dark, you fight know. Kang. He's gonna fight he, Kang in the next. But he's one, got so. the deep science stuff, and Kang we know has some multiverse connections, thanks to what Loki has established for him. So it's gonna go there. Um, it, and then yeah, like it, we'll see how Hawkeye ends up. See what, yeah. what happens there. Yeah. Uh, here, here's the here's my next fear of top heaviness. Watch this movie make a zillion dollars. Mm-hmm. And Marvel can't help themselves where the next multiverse included thing is Fantastic Four and X-Men, where that's their acceleration point for bringing them in is who pick anybody. Hugh Jackman shows up. Uh, Chris Evans shows up, you know, looking like an older Johnny Storm instead of a, a Steve Rogers. Like, can Marvel help themselves from well taking this movie's clear success and going... Let me get more of that. Give me all of that and get too carried away. Well, we didn't mention this, but the movie does do that in a way in the beginning because okay. it introduces a character that technically doesn't exist in the MCU, but does because it's played by the same actor. <laughs> you have Matt Murdock as Daredevil. Mm-hmm. He shows up. So, but that's, but that's not a Fox movie, though. It's not a Fox movie, but it is Netflix Marvel, which is Uh it's not Marvel Studios. It's Marvel TV. And it's 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 not MCU. And Kevin Feige has disowned those those things for being Mm. MCU. So so well, no, but that's the thing is there. It's almost like they're pretending the character is starting here, like they're pretending Daredevil didn't happen. So oh, it's uh, very yeah. like, cause this is what's going to happen. I guarantee you, I have a feeling uh, I'm making this okay. prediction. It could be too late, but I'm about to watch Hawkeye here when we done, when we're done recording. Oh, that's right. I, I, th- I think Kingpin is going to show up in Me too. either this, I think this episode he's going to show up either by I the end right. stinger or six. And if, if it's Vincent D'Onofrio, it's still not going to be the MCU. It's not going to be the Netflix Vincent D'Onofrio. It's going to be the same character played by the same actor, but it's not. Hmm. Does that make sense? What I'm a saying? Little, I mean, but yeah, a little. It's kind yeah, of like it's, the it's, dude. Hmm. Did you watch WandaVision? Of course. Okay. So it's when Evan of, Peters shows up. It's kind of like when Evan Peters shows up. It's it's more of like a cute, cute, wink, wink. Like, hey, remember when he was in those X-Men movies from Fox? And it ends up not really being Evan Peters. It's not yeah. the same thing because it's very clearly Matt Murdock in this movie. It's very clear, but, but I think it's I think it's there's no continuity. Like this is, it's kind of like when Hawkeye shows up in the first uh, Thor movie for like mm-hmm. ten seconds. This is his introduction to yeah. the MCU. It just happens to be the same actor and happens to be the same character, but the other stuff doesn't exist. It's an Elseworlds thing. Well, so, or, so they're or, doing that. So Marvel is yeah. doing that. Like you said, you were thinking about Marvel maybe won't help themselves and wants to get another. 
you know, more of that multiverse stuff and get characters mm-hmm. in. They are kind of doing that with the Netflix yeah. shows. Well, the, the other way they can they can include this and say, hey, it's always been around. It's just been in the background. You just had a five-year blip where if you think about it, this Spider-Man movie is in 2025. Who's to say that all of the Netflix and this is again, this is over convenient things. I don't know what Kevin Feige is blueprinting, but if I were to blueprint it, there's how I would, here's how I would make an excuse that they've always been there until conveniently business wise. They're here now mm-hmm. is in the five years that there was the blip. That's when Luke Cage and Daredevil and Kingpin and all these uh, little pocket things rose to power before we would have seen them in other incarnations and that's how they can conveniently have a history without ever having to show the history. Or if you want to reference the history, it's there. But you, you, you have to, could. The only issue you don't have to do is, a full parade to bring him in. The only issue with that is that Jessica Jones, which is one of the only Netflix shows I actually watched, and I watched a little bit of Daredevil. Um, they explicitly reference the Battle of New York in their shows. That's all so, still after the blip. That can that can work. No, the, the Battle of New York, the Avengers, the oh, first so Avengers it, movie. That's like that's but that's pre blip. That's twenty twelve. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. But what I'm saying is, is that those characters' histories are rooted like the okay. Marvel. Marvel wanted to make them MCU, just like they want to make Agents of Shield MCU. Kevin Feige yeah, eventually yeah. said, "No, f that. We're not making these things MCU." <laughs> yeah. So what I'm saying is, is that you've got like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and all these characters, Luke Cage. They're already existing within the MCU in terms of their time period. So you either have to do away with them completely. Or you have to acknowledge that the Netflix shows and Agents of Shield are canon to the MCU. I think they will, and and that is going to make time. things really complicated because because then if you're if you're getting a Daredevil movie or something or a new Daredevil show, and it's connected to the previous one, and Netflix mm-hmm. doesn't make those things anymore, and who knows if they'll still be available? I'm sure they will because it's a Netflix original. But yeah, now you've got four seasons of daredevil to catch up on and the, the punisher which is a spin-off of it and then the defenders which mm-hmm. is the like avengers thing of the netflix series because it brings yeah, yeah. all this stuff together luke cage iron fist daredevil jessica jones brings yeah. them all together into their own show so it's like how the hell like so that could be another top heavy thing too because it's like That's true That's oh true. Now, now you're introducing daredevil so now i gotta watch four seasons of a show that i wasn't really that interested in the first place i mean i love daredevil I mean, it's one of my favorite comic characters but yeah. I, I just never watched the show because i don't think the quality is as good as mcu product that's that fair Feige that's fair um, um yeah i'll t- but i mean now that the future is wide open for such things and we're back to a street level spider-man i'll take a spider-man daredevil team up going against go ahead and go and guess the punisher sure i get that but like, they, we talked about this open. but we talked about this earlier really? we talked about this earlier in the episode though mm-hmm. this movie no way home works primarily for people like us who are caught up on the material yeah i i'm assuming based on your responses that you have not watched the netflix shows i have not they were before my time or right, but so, i just never had netflix at that era and moment right, but so i need to I, catch up my question is like do you need to catch up or do you have to catch up now? Ooh, need That's and the have question. To. Fair question. Because, Fair because question. I, like I said, Daredevil is one of my favorite comic book characters. I love Daredevil. I've read mm-hmm. so many Daredevil comics and I own a lot of them. I, I love the character. But I just, with movie watching and with the Disney Plus series and, and the whole question of canon, mm-hmm. like the idea that now I'm going to have to go back and watch probably 10 seasons of television mm. to appreciate 
Like, I was happy that Matt Murdock shows up in No Way Home because I was like, hey, that's the guy who played him. It's Matt Murdock. It's expanding the universe. It's Daredevil. Yeah. But now if I'm required to watch four seasons of Daredevil to get to that character and to understand the nuances and stuff, this is the danger. So I think in a way – and that I, I'm were, not, I'm That was Star Wars where – not yeah. not well star wars is worse because there's not on screen content because that's novels and games and shit that a casual viewer is not going to pick up and do right a casual right. vision casual well, we've all seen with binge television the era that we're in if you if, if someone is super into it they're gonna go do it even the casual fan that has found themselves to be fans and are into it are probably going to do it. Asking them to binge five seasons of Daredevil or four, whatever there are, really wouldn't take much. It's at now the heart. Now here's the thing for Disney. That's asking them to go over to a competitor and spend some quality time, you know, money elsewhere. So right. that's, I, I feel like I, if knowing Disney in the way that they cut corners and keep what they want to keep, that they'll, Obviously, these actors are coming over to likely play the same characters they were before, but they will they'll forge new histories. That'll all be past tense stuff that it's there. If people want it, they won't. They'll make sure not to have anchors that are required and necessary from those places because that is you're taking your ball out of Disney's playground or you're taking your dollars out of Disney's playground. That's true. Because they won't I make guess, that happen. I guess you have a point because with the Doctor Strange stuff, that's all connected to Disney Plus series, which is in house, whereas. Mm-hmm. If I'm required to watch four seasons of Daredevil, that is Disney saying, "Hey, go to Netflix and yeah. watch this," and they and won't. That could be a problem. So, yeah, yeah, I get that. I, I can support that. Now that con- now, quote unquote, for the business side, contracts are done and shows are canceled on Netflix, and those are producer decisions, which was Marvel's decisions. But there's there's nothing to stop Marvel, as they are now showing that they are to taking those properties and the people they've liked there and saying, Hey, we're not doing the Netflix show again, but we know you're really good at it. We'd love to have you over here. Let's fire you. Let's inject you into a different thing. So this Uh, is going to be, I'm, I don't know. I don't have a comparison for this though, of something borrowed and brought over. Oh, I know something borrowed and brought over. Sure. This is Superman and Lois for the CW. Okay. okay. Like here, here, like for example, and I don't want to spend too long because I know we're eating up this show, but um, <laughs> the, 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 the new Superman and Lois CW show, clearly it's Tyler Hoechlin coming over from where he was introduced in Supergirl, but nothing, nothing about the Superman and Lois show requires you to know where he's come from on the crisis stuff and the Supergirl stuff. You don't need to watch any previous arrow shows. Now it helps that it's Superman. You kind of know where he comes from, but at the right. same time, there's no character notes of like, you don't need to know Kara and, you know, Melissa Benoist who plays it and all that. You can jump right here and go, all right, I get it. Superman who kind of got a little cameo start there is aged enough now to, cause it appears to be years later. He's got two team boys and the show just goes no, no ties needed elsewhere. There's no, not even a lot of, they don't even mention Supergirl the whole time, whereas every time Superman's over on Supergirl, it's like, oh my God, you're my cousin. They can't get enough of the connection. Make sure you know that right. the people with S's on their chests matter. So I think right. that's how Marvel's going to do it. It's like, hey, we know you all know who these are. Let's just go from here. Because that's how I've been approaching the inevitable, in my opinion, appearance of Kingpin on Hawkeye is yep. I have... Even though I know it's D'Onofrio, who's one mm-hmm. of my favorite actors, and I know that he played it on Daredevil, which I didn't really watch, mm-hmm. I am approaching it as if it's a kingpin, kind of like the kingpin in in Spider Verse. Yeah, it's a separate entity, and I'm okay. going to treat it as a separate entity until 
the MCU says, oh, yeah, remember that thing that happened in season two of Daredevil? Like, then I'm going to be like, oh, God. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm the MCU the shill. I'm the MCU yeah. shill. And I, I am happy with it. But even You're I You're going to go do it. Much, I, I will do it. But even I'm having my trepidations yeah, about yeah. how this is getting top heavy because and I was. To, cir- to circle it all back to what you're saying, yeah. when you're asking for all that recognition or not by having these actors, you're asking for top heavy. And that is true. And I. I'll grant that. Of the two of the shows. And, and once again, this is this shows that I'm not a complete shill. Um, <laughs> two of my more disappointing things of this year from marvel was loki's how it ended yeah and what if i actually wasn't a fan of what if i i thought I, that if what if for what if too what if if it had stayed as a quote-unquote monster of the week story every week with yeah. a lesson i would have been fine but then they tried to make it like a serial and i was yeah. like stop it like don't no. do that because just now also, gonna, I, yeah. also like I was cool with it, monster of the week or random story of the week. But now that they're trying to make that stuff canon, that's too much. It is a little too much, and yeah, yeah that's I, I'm assuming that the Doctor Strange, the crazy mm-hmm. Doctor Strange that we see in the trailer, is mm-hmm. the is one what from if Doctor Strange. The yeah. what if Doctor Strange. And that could be a problem. <laughs> so, because here's the other thing: WandaVision, thanks to animation, re- not WandaVision. I'm sorry. What if really went out there with yeah. with wild powers, crazy stories, huge stakes, death? Like they really, really went for it. And these movies don't kind of they still stay pretty safe. So that's yeah. asking for a lot of out there stuff. They're definitely, yeah, I would say that uh, No Way Home, like you said, your critic friend said that it was a little more ballsy than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Marvel in general, this phase, phase four, is more ballsy in general in terms of how how willing they are to show their characters flawed, yeah. vulnerable, and going through emotionally tough times. Because almost every show, uh, Disney Plus show and movie, has dealt with... Oh, the, char- the, char- the characters dealing with grief or intense regrets or running away from their responsibilities. Yeah. And I definitely. think that's very bold. So they definitely take chances there. However, I do know what you're saying. They, you know, they could have gone full DC with this movie and uh, yep. op- opened up that multiverse completely. And the last yeah. shot you see is thousands of creatures and people. Yeah. Oh my coming, God. coming yeah. out into New York and then that's how the movie ends, but they, they hold yeah. back. And so, they do. Cause like, I don't know if you're looking in those cracks, there's silhouettes and shapes of things that could have been. And I'm like, Oh, stay up there in the clouds. Yeah, gotta, no, absolutely. The, the, five, the five villains that are here are more than enough, you know? Yeah. I would say, and like I said, poor, poor Thomas Hayden church. I mean, you've got five mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that they, like you said, I think they went overboard a little bit on Jamie Foxx, gave him too much screen time. Yeah. But that, um, but that's, but that's your, that's your Oscar winner. That's your big name. Reese Ifans, yeah. who plays Lizard, isn't any more great shakes than Thomas Hayden Church. He's not given a lot to do either. It's true, but he's, yeah. yeah. Well, I know what you mean, but yeah, I'm just, uh, uh, I'm just saying. You're right. It's, it's like there's five villains already. Um, they've kind of delineated that one is a good guy in Doctor Octopus. Mm-hmm. He becomes a good guy. Uh, one is kind of in the middle with uh, Sandman, and then the other, the, there's two that are completely evil. But the, yeah. you know, though they do give Jamie Foxx a nice, like him and Andrew Garfield have a moment where it's kind of like, hey, I'm done. You know, like I, I'm, I'm done being a bad guy now. And they yeah. kind of pick each other up and shake each other off. So also an earned moment in my opinion. So yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I'm, and it makes up for 
however the hell the Amazing oh, Spider-Man 2 ended. I don't point. even remember with Electro. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we talked about it, man. We talked about it. Sorry, Mitch. I know that you have no surprises left whatsoever. When oh, my it. gosh. He has no surprises left. And he's got 90 minutes of shit to edit. I'm sorry. <laughs> Bye, Friday. Good luck. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, um, send him a Christmas. And card. we're just going to talk about this more. Uh, you and me are going to talk about this more tomorrow when we go on uh, – Mm-hmm. Our secret uh, – well, it will be released by this point. Yes. But, uh, our secret uh, kicking the seat Spider-Man show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be marveled out, man. I'm going to be Spider-Maned out. You, you heard me in my rant today. Like, one, getting through the movie that I was trepidatious for was one thing. I got to write a review. I have this show. I have Mike Crowley's show. I have Ian's show. I just want it all to go away and just kick back and enjoy the movie. So when the work part of this is over, I'll, I'll be happy to come back and – probably see the movie again so yeah well we're gonna be you know uh you and i were i'm assuming you're off after this week i'm done yep yep i'm done this week yeah Yeah, i'm done i'm done this week too so we're gonna have uh three weeks off or two and a half weeks or whatever to Mm -hmm. recharge our batteries and watch no way home again 35 times (laughs) (laughs) i have to pay to see it like a plebeian though i haven't paid for well that's the thing is i got my press tickets but I still had bought the tickets. Well, you got the you got the daughter one, and you teased the opening of the show where you are there to see new reactions from good people. And I, I am. Can't, I, I can't wait for when my kids are old enough that I get to do that too. So I am interested to I see. Am, yeah, my my oldest daughter loves the Raimi movies, uh, but has not seen the Garfield movies or the Venom movies. So Ooh. I'm interested to see how this will be a good test. We talked about if it can stand alone. I, this will be a good test okay. to see if do they like Garfield? Yeah. Are they attached to Garfield? Like, like we'll see how that works. Yeah, I, I mean, suppose. it is Andrew Dreamy Garfield. He looks good, so like he it, does. It, it helps. and he's and he still has a little bit of that energy from uh, Tick Tick Boom going on yeah. in that performance. <laughs> he does have the freneticness going of of twitchy guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, All right we have to end this damn thing because yep. um, <laughs> we have to get back to our respective multiverses. Um, Mm-hmm. All right, I, I want everyone, if you're still with us, I hope you are, follow us on Twitter at CinephileFit and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. Also, find us both on Letterboxd. Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a 25YL media podcast brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes. If you enjoyed the show, we have more where that came from. We have us, the interesting hosts, of course. And we're going to have 2022 is going to be great for guests. I mean, we are going to be stock loaded next year for guests. Um, all of our episodes are available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you find your favorite shows. 